Welcome to the 29th episode of Sound the Foghorn, fan-sided's official San Francisco Giants podcast. As always, I am your host, Mark DeLuke. I'm the co-site expert over at Around the Foghorn. Make sure uh, to follow Around the Foghorn on Twitter at Around the Foghorn. You can also like our page on Facebook to stay up to date on all the latest Giants news and rumors. And before I get into the podcast, I want to remind everyone that uh, if you leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcast um make sure to leave in the comment section of your you know review a question for me if you'd like me to answer in a future episode as you know we're starting to do the twice a week thing i'm getting kind of into the groove of the season and so you know it looks like we're going to do this the midweek i'm doing solo the weekend i'll have a guest on but that could flip-flop but either way um ask a question the review and if i have a guest on that i think can lend some interesting insight on it uh we'll kind of collaborate on the answer or i'll answer it solo Excuse me on um, my my solo episode, so so make sure to do that as well. Um, and if you want to stay up um, to date with my work, you know I, I cover the Bay Area, not just Giant Sports. I do some 49ers and Warriors work elsewhere, and, and I freelanced around as well. If you'd like to uh, follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at Mad Deluki. That is M A D D E L U C C H I. But today I'm not talking about me. I'm talking, of course, about the San Francisco Giants, who again continue. To, to maintain, I mean, I think, you know, they got off to a fantastic start to the season, and I think there's been reasonable questions, again, I've, I've raised them, I think many have, about, you know, when does the, the slow spell come, when does, you know, when do the things kind of taper off, the Giants, of course, split a four-game series with the Pittsburgh Pirates, I'm not sure if they have the worst record in baseball, but if at the end of the season they have the worst record in baseball, no one would be surprised. But the Giants only take two out of four, and that's in large part because of their bullpen that, of course, um, blows a save um, in the bottom of the ninth inning. Jake McGee um, blows a save, and eventually they lose the game in the bottom of the 11th. And um, then... In the, the really two games with blown leads, uh, the on Saturday, um, the Giants had a four-run lead heading into the seventh inning. Uh, Camila Duvall and Sam Selman combined to allow four runs that ties the game, and then Jake McGee um, loses it the day before uh, on Friday. Um, Caleb Berger um, ends up taking the loss after uh, Jake McGee allows a run in the ninth inning. Um, that you know, it was a one nothing. It was a two to one game. Excuse me. McGee gives up a game time homer that pushes it to extras. I and so this is the thing with this Giants roster that you know no one is confident enough that they can handle too much going wrong. And the bullpen has been something that has struggled. And that's um, what I'm going to talk most about today. But but before I get there, I do think again I've talked about this in the past. The Giants split the series with the Pirates. That is undeniably a disappointing result. But you can also very easily look at the Pirates series and say the Giants should have swept that series. Now, at the end of the season, the Giants might miss the playoffs by a game or two games. And we're going to look back at the series and say if the bullpen had just held up, they pitched well in uh, the Saturday game. They hit well, put up six runs. The Friday game, not so much, only put up two. But Kevin Gaussman was astounding, fantastic on the mound. He gives them eight incredible innings. You know, these are two games we will undeniably come back to if the Giants miss the playoffs by a narrow margin. 
but it's still, again, a positive sign. If you're going to lose games, it hurts more when you lose a close one, but it's also a better sign of your team's prospects. And to the Giants' credit, they have bounced back. You know, you're worried. Is this going to be a sign? Do they blow those leads? And then does that kind of create some negative momentum? Does that build up? God, I hate using the term momentum in sports. But anyway, does that kind of build up, you know, and accumulate and start to start some bad habits and bad trends? And so far, it's two first two games of a four-game series in Cincinnati. Again, Cincinnati, not a fantastic team, came into the series at 500. But, you know, solid rostering, and you're on the road. You're, you're on the, you know, again, we call it Cincinnati uh, Midwest. It's pretty east in that region in terms of travel um for, for these players so you know you're on the road for now more than a week and they they come out with two wins today anthony sclafani i'm recording this on tuesday night this will be up uh wednesday morning anthony sclafani gives them a strong seven innings uh, alex dickerson hits an early three-run homer and that ultimately ends up being enough to get it done um yesterday uh logan webb on the mound six shutout innings giants get out to a excuse me, a uh, 5-0 lead heading into the 7th when the bullpen takes over, has some struggles. Harleen Garcia gives up a run. Matt Whistler gives up a couple, but ultimately that is all, and the Giants are victorious. So the Giants are 10 games above 500. I believe I saw on social media this is the best record they've had, excuse me, at this point in the season since it might have even been before 2016, but it was definitely 2016. They were 10 games is the last time they were 10 games above 500. I think this is a good team, guys. And now, as the narrative, I think, begins to shift, as more people begin to buy in, you know, this lineup, hey, you know, it's got talent there. This starting rotation, yeah, there might be some questions, but this starting rotation is clearly showing. This isn't all cluster luck, guys. Alex Wood, Anthony Sclafani, Kevin Gelsman, they've been really good. Logan Webb, he's been good. Johnny Cueto, he's been good. Aaron Sanchez is the one you can make the strongest argument for luck, and he's on the injured list right now. He's not even in their five-man rotation. And then, remember, if you haven't been following this closely, Tyler Beatty is set to be back from from uh, UCL surgery in the coming weeks or months. He's had two really good outings at AAA Sacramento could be another insurance piece for this starting rotation. And I'm going to start there with BD because, again, today's episode, again, you know, you know how it goes when I go solo. We keep these to 20 to 30 minutes. We're talking about the bullpen. But I'm going to start with Tyler Beatty, and here's why. I'm going to do a, a piece on this later in the week that gets into why I think Giants fans don't need to overreact about the bullpen. And I know I've said this for like two and a half years and the Giants keep blowing saves for, for all this time. But there's a trickle-down effect if BD gets back and is healthy. Now, Logan Webb did leave his start yesterday, and Gabe Kapler and Webb said there was some shoulder soreness that they'll watch. It doesn't look like he's headed for the injured list. It looks like they remain confident he'll stick, excuse me, in the rotation. But, um, you know, that's something to watch. Shoulder's obviously a huge area of concern. Webb's had UCL surgery. He hasn't thrown a lot of innings in the past. He's now thrown 45 innings, you know, fairly early in the season. You wonder if that's something the Giants will want to moderate. But that's where if Sanchez or Beattie come back and deserve and earn a spot in the rotation, moving Webb to the bullpen might do multiple things. One, it limits Webb's workload, something that, you know, Giants management, I imagine, isn't too opposed to, especially, you know, given... Webb's history. The second one, and I don't think this can be overstated, is where the Giants' bullpen has been lacking is in that long relief. They've been lucky that they haven't really needed it, right? Their starters have done fantastic so far this year, so there hasn't been a game, too many games, where the starter has to be pulled after three or four innings, and you have five to six innings of bullpen work, and you don't know where you're going to turn. 
you know, in the past, that one time you go way back was Yusmyro Petit. You know, at various points, they've had other players in that role. Caleb Berger was someone we expected to be in that role last year, but he's kind of now emerged into like a high leverage, almost loogie at times. You know, Berger's no longer really that long reliever. Wandy Peralta was in that role last year. He's obviously been traded to the New York Yankees for Mike Talkman. So there isn't really a clear long reliever right now at the big league level. And that's where Webb to the bullpen could be an incredibly useful, incredibly versatile bullpen piece. So again, I think Webb could give you some high leverage innings. I think he could give you the 6th and 7th on occasion, maybe even the 8th or ninth. although again, I wouldn't bet on that with any consistency. But what it does for the rest of the bullpen, right, is that in a 5-run game and the starter you're going to pull in the 6th or 5th inning for whatever reason... You can go to Webb and say, we have a five-run lead. Webby, you do your thing. We're going to let you go because we can give you a few days off after this, and we can try to save the rest of the pen. And I think that could be huge, could be pivotal. And if we end up writing about this, if we talk about this incredible bullpen surge or this bullpen turnaround that no one saw coming, I'd be betting a good amount of money that it turns when Tyler Beatty or Aaron Sanchez come back and if they earn a spot in the rotation. Now, granted, I could be flipping this. Maybe Webb isn't the one who goes through the bullpen. Maybe Webb stays in the rotation and that enables Sanchez or that enables Beatty to fit this role. But I just think given Webb's history, given the lack of innings he's thrown on his arm, I think that could um, make the most sense. But again, Beatty's returning from UCL surgery. Sanchez has a long injury history in his own. So it's not like any of those are out of the question. And of course, this could all turn on a dime with one, you know, Johnny Cueto strain or Logan Webb, or not Logan Webb, I mean, Webb as well, but Alex Wood, Discofani Gassman, anyone can say with an injury, obviously, that changes this equation entirely. But I think that's a big thing people aren't necessarily thinking about as much when they're thinking about this bullpen. You know, we think about the starting rotation and we think about the bullpen often in terms of two different things, right? We, we think of them as two different units, two separate units that aren't really interacting much. But this is a perfect example. The Giants accumulated this depth at the back of the rotation. They invited Scott Kazmier. They signed Scott Kazmier, Shun Yamaguchi, Nick Trapiano to minor league deals, invited them to big league camp. Players with big league starting experience who could be big league starters, but could potentially contribute in the bullpen. Why do you think they did that? That's depth in the starting rotation, but that's also depth for the bullpen as well. It's, it's that versatile piece that we're more accustomed to thinking about the Giants under Farhan Zaidi targeting on the offensive side of the spectrum. But I don't think we can underrate um, what that could potentially do uh, for the pitching staff as well. Now, we'll see how they deploy these things. We'll see how this ends up getting handled. But I think that is a very interesting thing to keep in mind. The second thing about this bullpen, or I guess about ways I think the bullpen could be in line for improvement without having to make some major trade. Again, the deadline is not, you know, it's relatively far off. We're still obviously in mid to late May. But, you know, soon we're going to be talking about the deadline. I'm, I'm sure I'll be churning out the content on the various teams and uh, non-contenders who have closers or high-leverage arms the Giants could target. They have the prospect depth now to potentially get aggressive. But the Sacramento Rivercats, the, the AAA affiliate for the San Francisco Giants, I know no one's, you know, paying a lot of attention to units on, on minor league teams. So looking at specific players, you're looking at the top prospects, you're looking at Joey Bart, right? You're looking, excuse me, at, um, you know, the specific players. That That's how this works. But the bullpen at Sacramento, I don't think we can understate how effective it's been. It's been one of the best minor league bullpens I've seen in some time. And that's 
borne out when you look at the track record, the the resumes of so many, excuse me, of these relievers who have extensive experience with the big leagues. We saw Zach, we've seen Zach Littell get promoted from the minor league ranks after a strong start to the season, solid spring training. He pitches the eighth inning today, gives up a home run. I'm not as keen on Littell as I think a lot of Giants fans are. Not that I don't think he's a big league arm. I want to be clear about that. But I think there is has been a quick reaction to the young players, specifically Camilo Duvall, that I think fans don't realize. They're talking about Littell as you know, one of the clear, most trustworthy righties in this pen, and Camilo Duvall, someone who they want to be sent down. Coming into today's outing, and I want to remind you, Littell was not great today. He did not record a strikeout, gave up a solo home run. It didn't cost the Giants because they had a large enough mar- legit, they had a, l- a large enough lead, and Jake McGee shut down the ninth with a one-two-three inning. But he was not particularly effective today. And entering play today, I'm Zach Littell and Camilo Duvall. Littell had a zero ERA. He had yet to give up an earned run. Duvall's ERA is above eight. Who had a higher walk rate? It was not Camilo Duvall. It was Zach Littell. Who had allowed a higher rate of hard contact? It was not Camilo Duvall. It was Zach Littell. Who had allowed a higher average exit velocity? It was Zach Littell. Who had struck out batters at a lower rate? It was Zach Littell. Across the board, the advanced metrics would tell you that Littell is not someone you would project to be a better pitcher than Doval over the next few outings. Again, I think Littell, you know, has pitched well enough to, to look to earn an extended look at the big league pen, but the strikeout numbers are not fantastic. The walk numbers are not exactly elite. He's not he hasn't avoided walks at a great rate. And again, we saw the home run today, but mostly it admit he wasn't giving up hits. And I think we can get caught up in these small bullpen sample sizes when things aren't going right. We're gonna read too much into them. And we underestimate if you're a reliever, you get one inning and you give up three hits. That's one run minimum. That could be two. If you give up one home run and have a walk, that's two runs. That's an 18 ERA, maybe even more than that if you get pulled before the inning is over. Relievers are so much more prone, so much more at risk of these small sample size swings that make huge deviations in their results. Look, do I think Camilo Duvall should be an eighth or ninth inning guy on this Giants roster? No. I don't necessarily think that. I don't think Zach Littell should be either, though. And I want to be clear, Doval was someone who throughout his minor league career, because of his arm angle, we've seen it at the big league level, struggles especially against left-handed pitchers. Not pitchers, hitters, excuse me. The platoon split. His arm angle is incredibly difficult for righties historically to deal with, but lefties have done relatively well, especially when you consider the minor leagues and the quality and caliber of stuff he has. But Kapler hasn't treated him as a platoon arm. He's treated him as a high leverage arm. And I don't, again, I'm not, I've been the one who's often, I am very willing to criticize Kapler on the bullpen. I don't necessarily, I will rarely criticize a player or a manager for giving a young prospect um, high-pressured opportunities. Now, I do think at this point, though, as the Giants view themselves as contenders, as I think they've proven they deserve to consider, they should consider themselves as contenders, they need to be a bit more specialized, though. They need to be a bit more aware of Duvall's struggles against left-handed hitters and need to be a bit more particular about when they are deploying him. Someone like Tyler Rogers, who's never really exhibited severe platoon splits, especially at the minor league level, I understand using him in situations either way. Jake McGee is a left-handed pitcher, right? You can maybe maneuver him a certain way. But Duvall, you have to be more specialized. 
But again, I don't necessarily think Littell is going to be the long-term answer. He deserves some run. He's pitched well. I, I'm not saying send him down or cut him tomorrow. But the good thing for the Giants is they have options because of this depth they've accumulated at AAA. Junior Marte, five innings pitched to AAA, seven strikeouts, one walks, no home runs. Silvino Bracco pitched in the Diamondbacks bullpen for some time. Four and a third innings, three walks, not great, but seven strikeouts. He's given up a pair of homers. Kervin Castro, we talked about at spring training. He's struggled pretty highly, mightily at AAA. He has nine strikeouts in four innings, but seven walks. Old friend Trevor Gott, surprisingly effective. Five innings, two walks, five strikeouts. You have Tyler Sear, who's long been a prospect in the Giants system with a big bowling ball sinker that still has really premium velocity. He could be an interesting change of pace look. The guy I've been going, you know, James Shurfee is someone that uh, my colleague Jeff Young has talked a lot about. He's been great. Five innings, five and two-thirds, uh, one walk, nine strikeouts, no runs allowed. Dominique Leone, five innings, four hits, one run, no homers, just two walks, and seven strikeouts. I mean, that's before mentioning Trapeano or Beatty or Anthony Banda or Daniel Alvarez who and Scott Casimir, Connor Menez, guys who've been stretched out, Yamaguchi, who've, who've played these longer relief roles. The Giants have these arms at AAA to cycle through, to give opportunities. And I believe, I don't, again, I am not certain who they are, but I am fairly confident there is one to two, if not more, big league arms, right? Good relief arms that could add a lot of depth for a Giants bullpen that really needs it right now. But they're going to have to cycle through that depth. And this is where it gets difficult because of the Giants' 40-man roster. The Giants... Claimed on waivers today, Trevor Hildenberger, by the way, another arm to add to that mix, who they've optioned to AAA. He was a, a, a really good reliever, emerged on the scene in 2017 with the Twins, kind of a side armor, funky uh, sinker, slider kind of motion. Not to the severity of Tyler Rogers, but a similar mold of player, although his fastball is more in the low, low 90s than the low 80s, mid 80s like Rogers. So that's another arm. They also claimed Braden Bishop, an outfielder from the Seattle Mariners, the brother, as most Giants fans will know him, of Hunter Bishop, the Giants' first-round pick in 2019. We'll see what Bishop's and Hildenberger's future are with the team. I have a feeling that, and I should say I don't have a feeling, given Zaidi's history with the 40-man roster, they are not players who strike me as ones who are likely to be on the 40-man roster for an extended period of time. I'd expect that they are players who Zaidi is trying to claim, designate for assignment when he needs to make another move, and then see if he can sneak them through waivers to be depth at AAA. But those 40-man roster spots could become valuable because, one, Beattie, as I mentioned, is going to have to come off the 60-day injured list. They placed him on the 60-day IL earlier this year. Two, if they want to add one of those names I mentioned, Marte or Bracco or Sear or Leon or Scherfe or Alvarez or Kazmir, Yamaguchi, they're going to need a 40-man roster spot. That could be a, 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 that could be the spot, that Hildenberger, that Bishop spot. One of those could end up now being a place where the Giants can add those relievers in the interim while they're sorting out what the bullpen looks like going forward because they're still they have a large a large 60 man or 40 man roster crunch waiting them because they've placed a number of players on the 60 day injured list to give them more flexibility. They moved Tommy Listella to the 60 day IL today. So that opened up another 40 man roster spot, but that means when he comes off they're going to need to open another one back up. Reliever Reyes Maranta, he's on the 60-day injured list from retroactive a while ago at this point. 
he is probably he's not going to pitch. It looks like anytime in May, so his schedule is back. But eventually, Morata they want back. John Brebbia, an offseason signing, was a solid high leverage arm with the Cardinals as recently as 2019. He's on the 60-day injured list. When he comes back, which is expected to come at some time this summer, he'll need to be added to the 40-man roster. Jalen Davis, a minor league outfielder. Now, they might be able to maneuver with rehab assignments, but still, there's a number of guys who are going to have to be re-added. There is going to be a roster crunch at some point. But I think if the Giants play this right, and I, I think this is what they're going to do, we are going to see a cycle of these fringe former big leaguers, current AAA River Cat relievers through the Giants' bullpen as they try to figure out as quickly as they can leading up to the trade deadline who are the keepers. By the way, another player I haven't mentioned, Jay Jackson, who uh, they signed as a minor league uh, free agent, pitched with the Brewers previously, had success internationally in Japan. He's dealing with an injury right now, but when he returns, he's another one who could factor in this mix. Again, there's a lot of names here. So I wish I could say, here is the closer, right? I, I've found there's this player at AAA who's a surefire closer, right? He's he's the next, he's the re, you know, he's the next Brian Wilson, right? He's um excuse me, oh, he's the next elite closer who will solve these problems. I don't have that to say. But I do think, again, the Giants have this option. They have this flexibility. And they've been lucky so far because the starting pitching has been so incredible. Now, I know this isn't going to last forever, and they're going to need that to even out. But I do think they're in good position to, again, have the cycle in the upper minor leagues and find some other arms. And the other reason I'd say, the final thing, the third thing I'll hit on before I sign off here about why I think the bullpen is in better shape than many fans perceive it at this point is the man who got the save today, his 11th of the year, and his 20th appearance. This man's name is Jake McGee. McGee was bad over these last couple weeks. I, you know, I don't need to mince words. I'm sure he would not either. He's given up a number of home runs, blown multiple saves. But the 34-year-old was unhittable, absolutely dominant to start the year. And I think because relieving, due to that small sample size as I talked about earlier, right, due to the way cluster luck and these little one bad outing or things can play with someone's numbers, fans, that volatility you get from day to day. We follow relievers. Imagine if you followed any player for 162 games. And you had to make something out of every appearance. He went 0 for 4 today. He's struggling. I don't know what they're going to do in left field. He went 0 for 4 again. That's 0 for 8. He's struggling. He goes through, then, he, then he goes 3 for 4. You go, oh my God, he's the best hitter in baseball. He said he hit 750 today. And we, we don't do that because we understand it's a 162-game season. But it feels like we do that with relievers when they play even less than position players, right? One position player plays nine innings. It's four plate appearances. Reliever, one inning. Maybe five or six batters. And that's probably if the inning doesn't go too well. It's these small sample sizes. It creates this volatility. And we react to it. And again, I react to it too. I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I, I think Kapler, manager Gabe Kapler, has made some poor decisions, put relievers at risk at times. I think he's made good decisions at others. But I think we've kind of gone... Remember when Camilo Doval got called up? First couple outings, incredibly strong through that stuff. We saw for the first time go, whoa. Lots of fans were like, whoa, this is a high leverage arm. This could solve the bullpen. Jake McGee, first couple weeks of the season, dominant. Doesn't give up a run. One, two, three saves. Ten pitches, 11 pitches. Racking up strikeouts. Not walking, guys. Wow, this is the closer. 
bullpen soft. And now both have struggled. The answer for what Camilo Duvall and Jake McGee are, in my opinion, they are better than they've been. They are worse than they've been at their best. That's usually the answer here. And I think with McGee, people have forgotten he is 34 years old, but he is also a pitcher who has a history of shoulder injuries, who has a long history of having wear on his arm. The Giants need to handle him, to me, they need to handle him like they handled Tony Watson last season. Watson didn't pitch on back-to-back days. They often tried to get him two days off between starts, or between appearances. This season, McGee's pitched on three straight days, um, back-to-back days a number of times. He's already pitched on back-to-back days six times this season. He did it four times all of last year for the Dodgers. I don't think that's a coincidence that McGee was dominant for the Dodgers all last season has had this weird variability in his performance with the Giants. I think it's because he's not getting as much rest. He's an older pitcher who needs that. But I think Kapler's starting to realize it. We see yesterday, he gives Rodgers a chance to close. Pitched for the third straight day. I'm not big on that, but I understand it. And today, though, he goes, I'm not going to Rodgers. McGee, you're getting another shot. McGee gets a 1-2-3 save. I think this is a kind of committee thing that he can do. McGee will be effective as a high-leverage arm if he gets the necessary rest. Doval will be effective as a high-leverage arm if he gets more specialized opportunities. If maybe we're not using him in the 8th or 7th and one-run games, if maybe the Giants lean away from using him, especially when there's left-handed hitters coming up. Look for a spot in the lineup where there's three righties. You know, look, if you're up, maybe maybe it's a one-run lead in the 6th or 7th inning, but the heart of the lineup is, is coming up. Okay, you know, we can, if it's three righties, let's do it. They're not going to pinch it. Or maybe it's a, a one-run game, but the bottom of the lineup's coming up, and you go, I don't think these hitters are going to handle Camilo Duvall's slider and his premium high-velocity fastball. Duvall doesn't have great command. I'm not denying that. But another thing to keep in mind, he has five walks on the season in nine and two-thirds innings. That's not great, right? That's about 4.7 per nine. But two of those walks are intentional. Like, I want to be clear here. Doval struggled with control and command throughout his minor league career, but the walk numbers are not what they appear because of those intentional walks because he's been in some peculiar situation because sometimes he's gotten himself in difficult situations. But again, he's walked five guys in nine and two thirds innings. He's walked roughly, you know, 11 and a half percent of the batters he's faced. But you take out those intentional walks, which again, I don't count an intentional walk as a sign of a pitcher's command. They don't even throw those pitches anymore. It's only about 7%, which is a far more reasonable number, far more acceptable number. Doval, point is, don't give up on Doval yet. And I'm happy the Giants haven't given up on him. Now, maybe this gets posted tomorrow, that changes. But another thing I'm going to leave you on, this will be the last stat um, today. In Doval's limited sample, again, it's small sample, all the caveats that should rightfully be there, the warning signs for you. He has faced 25 right-handed hitters and 19 left-handed hitters. That is not, you know, usually it's about two-thirds right-handed hitters, right? So he's actually faced more lefties than you would expect. Of the righties he has faced, he has struck out about one in four, 24%. Of the lefties he has faced, he struck out closer to 1 in 5, about 21%. Walk rates, about even. He's given up four home runs. Three have been against left-handed hitters. Left-handed hitters are hitting 313 with a 421 on base and an 875 slugging. 
1,300 OPS. Righties, 227, 409 slugging, 320 on base percentage. Now, again, righties are doing better than, than I'd like. Again, I'm not saying we need to make Do- that the Giants need to make Doval the eighth or ninth inning guy. But I am saying is that I think uh, there's a, we're working with a small sample here. He's disproportionately faced lefties, uh, a, a segment of hitters that even his fans of his, you know, scouts and evaluators who are fans of his, said lefties were probably going to be a struggle, especially early in his career. He's faced a disproportionate amount of lefties. And, you know, he's been put in some high-leverage, high-stress situations. And I think this all is a reason to believe in Camilo Duvall, to believe Jake McGee can be effective, even if he's not going to be the savior of the bullpen, he can still be effective as a high-leverage arm if his usage is curtailed. And if the Giants have have Tyler Beatty, they have John Brebbia down the line, a name I didn't talk too much about. They might have Aaron Sanchez. Gives them flexibility with any of those arms or Logan Webb to deploy in the bullpen. And they have a plethora of players who are performing well at AAA with good big league experience or solid track records in the minor leagues that they have the flexibility to play with. And if they're aggressive there, I believe there are the bullpen arms necessary to solidify this unit going forward. And if it's not solidified and the Giants are still in contention come June, come July and maybe even in June, the Giants have the prospects. They have the depth to be aggressive on the trade market to try to get maybe a young, controllable reliever that Farhan Zaidi eyes as the closer or just a setup man for the future. So, this has been the 29th episode of Sound the Foghorn, where I try to explain and tell you why the bullpen is going to be okay. I am your host, as always, Mark Deluki. You can follow me on Twitter at Mad Deluki. That is M A D D E L U C C H I. You can also, of course, uh, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, like, um, Give those five-star reviews. Make sure to leave a question in the comments that I will answer potentially alongside a guest on a future episode. And, of course, follow Around the Foghorn on Twitter at Round the Foghorn. You can stay up to date on all the latest Giants news and rumors. Always stay tuned to AroundTheFoghorn.com. Thank you, and as always, until next time, stay safe and have a wonderful week. <laughs>